Hello. This is not Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I am Nadine's producer, Michelle Rado. Nadine is taking a few weeks off, but in this interim, she thought it would be fun to bring you a few podcast episodes where she has been a guest over the past year. So we hope that you'll enjoy this conversation she had with Shannon Keating on the podcast Unmasked and Open Hearted. Hello, and welcome back to another podcast episode. I have Nadine Kenny Johnstone on the other end with me. And Nadine's memoir of this, I'm sure, was named Book of the Year by Chicago's Writers Association and received press coverage in Cosmopolitan, Today's Parent, and Mind Body Green, among others. Her stories and interviews have been featured in publications and podcasts such as Chicago Magazine, Authority Magazine, The Kathy Heller Show, and The Radically Loved Podcast. She is a podcast host herself. Her podcast is Heart of the Story and a writing coach who helps female authors develop and publish their stories. Nadine received her MFA in creative writing and has taught writing internationally at conferences and universities for 15 years. Pulling from her vast experience as a writing, meditation, and yoga nidra instructor, she leads wellness retreats at awe-inspiring locations around the U.S. And I will put this in the show notes. You can find everything about Nadine and her work on her website, nadinekennyjohnstone.com. And human design-wise, Nadine is a 5-1 projector with self-projected authority. And then astrologically, her sun is in Virgo, her moon is in Libra, and her rising is also Virgo. So Nadine, you've got two Virgos, double, double earth and some air and Libra, which to me just makes a lot of sense from like the astrological perspective of just like writing and creativity. I feel like really comes from that moon because the moon is like, it's like that inner kind of emotional aspect of you. So Mm -hmm. really beautiful. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited you're here. And I'm just really excited too, because I feel like just knowing my different listeners and just what you have going on, I feel like what we're going to talk about is going to land for a lot of women. And I'm sure there's women listening who have dreams of writing a book one day, potentially, and or attending a women's retreat. So I'm just really excited to chat about all of those things. And before we do dive in, can you share more for anyone who's brand new to you, just a little bit about your own journey and what's led you to being involved in writing and self-care and women's retreats. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So I've always been a book nerd and I've always written poems and stories and everything else. Uh, And as a kid, though, I was definitely overachiever, people pleaser. Um, 
And I always, you know, had different friend groups, but I always felt kind of different in that I was always very sensitive, what I realize now as an empath. Um, and also I grew up in Chicago, so in the city. And um, I didn't realize at the time that I was just like yearning to see other places and to be around nature. And I just knew that. I wanted to explore beyond the two mile radius that I grew up in. And so there was always a part of me that was just itching to grow and see and expand and, and make things and create things and meet other people and learn about other cultures. And so fast forward through, you know, high school and things like that into college. I started off as a nutrition major. And when I almost flunked out of college because of chemistry, <laughs> I course corrected and I became an English major. And it just felt like everything made sense suddenly. You know, my brain speaks in narratives. And though I am an introvert and can be shy, I also am really, really um, uh, invested in women and women speaking their voices and um, really kind of getting to the core of their strength. And I was raised by a very strong woman. And so I also had this other pull in me that was always very female driven and wanting to uplift the voices of women, including myself. And so when I graduated college and went to graduate school uh, for creative writing, it was like this wonderful world of being able to create and meet other people and meet really powerful women and really in tune women. And it was like, I kind of found my people. Um, and from there, I had a journey of teaching all over and going to conferences, which allowed that kind of travel that I didn't really get to do when I was young. And everywhere I would go, I would just be so invested in people's stories, learning more about people, learning more about their backgrounds. I loved going to writing conferences or retreats and presenting at writing conferences because I just love story so much. And so for my day job, I was teaching at a university, teaching writing full time. And, and on the side, I would go to these writing conferences and, and I would give consultations for people's manuscripts. And one time I was in San Miguel, Mexico, and this woman said to me, you know, I really, really like your feedback. It feels like it's effective and I can make changes, but it also feels really encouraging. And oftentimes when I sit down and get feedback from people, they just rip it apart. So I really liked your, your encouraging approach. And she said, would you consider being a writing coach for me? I have a book inside of me and I want to write. And she was in she was 80. She had just turned 80 at the time. And I was like, sure. And she was like, I have so much to write about and I want to get this book out of me. And so I became her writing coach and she did a chapter a month and we would do calls by phone. This was pre-Zoom. And, um, and she wrote her book, revised her book. It just came out like four months ago. <laughs> 
Oh my God. She was one of my earliest clients. And, um, and from there I did years and years of writing coaching until finally I did a course correct, um, during the pandemic and, uh, completely went on my own with my own writing coaching and writing retreats and writing workshops. I kind of took what I'd been doing as a passion project on the side and just made it my everything, which is what I'm doing now. So in maybe a long-winded nutshell, that that's who I am. <laughs> My gosh, amazing. Well, I mean, clearly, you know how to tell a story and highlight all these beautiful elements. I love the piece about just really wanting to uplift female voices and then being able to get around other women and just find more of that community. And then I just love how beautiful too for that woman at 80 years old to reach out to you and allow you to help her and just be willing to at 80 years old get a book out because I feel like at that age so many people just shut down and they're like oh well I'm 80 now so it's not going to happen and that just must have been so rewarding and like is probably so rewarding for you it really is like if with her in particular um her father had been a diplomat and so they had uh, really traveled all over and she had learned about other cultures when she was young. She had lived in so many different places and she wanted to share what it was like to live in India and in Cairo. And and so she had this burning inside of her and she wanted it on the page. And she was just so steadfast and dedicated and, and, and took it bit by bit. But I was so excited for her when Finally, I got that book in my hands in print, and so was she. And this is this happens all the time. Like this past year, eight of my clients published their books. This is this is like the the wonder of my job as I get to get their books and see this finished product of what they have worked so hard at. And it's the best thing. It is the best thing ever. And now that you know we're seeing each other in, in person again, just last month I got to be at the book launch for one of my writers. And it is so heart fulfilling to have that kind of job. Yes. I can only imagine too, because and I'd like to kind of dive into this as as well a little bit. Just I've started to write a book, yeah. let me tell you. And mm-hmm. even just that little bit of a process of like putting things on paper and starting to like ideate and all of that stuff I've heard from other people. It is just a journey in and of itself. And to be able to be behind the scenes with women as they go through that journey. I mean, I've heard old things come up to be like felt and processed and healed. And you're really putting like a piece of yourself out there. You're birthing something into the world. And then for you to just walk with them during that whole journey of like the highs and the lows and the editing and just maybe the potential rejection that they feel or the fears they have to navigate. And then to actually tangibly have something so real in your hands, that's like a byproduct of that is so miraculous in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Someone put it really well. They were like, well, you're kind of like a a memoir midwife. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I think that's a good description. It's like, it's all, it's all you. It's all the writer. I'm just there to help, help bring this into the world. But what I see of all writers is that it is one of the most rewarding and challenging processes. Because first, if you're going it alone, it's you're staring at a blank 
document and you're like, where do I begin? You have this burning story inside of you, but then suddenly when you sit down to write it, sometimes the critic comes and the, mm-hmm. who are you to write this? And then the, the kind of craft editor comes in, how do you write this? And so suddenly you go from a really authentic place to a very critical in your head place, which everyone goes through and it can be really discouraging. So at the first stage of my work as a writing coach, I'm just helping the women kind of shush those voices and keep tapping into the heart. Okay, what's the story that wants to be told? And sometimes they have five stories that want to be told. So I help them prioritize which one. And that's why, you know, I'm like, there's got to be a different term than writing coach because there's a lot more to it. But so I'm helping them kind of get back in tune and in touch with their hearts and start telling the story. And then it's a matter of diligence, even when you're not feeling inspired, even when you feel like the muse isn't there, sticking with it. And getting through this sort of murky middle of like, I just have all these pages and now my brain is overwhelmed. And how will this ever actually come together into a book? And I, I encourage them. Yes, I promise. I promise. Like it's in, it's like being in the middle of a pregnancy. You're like, really? Is there <laughs> a baby's going to come out of here? And it's like, yes, yes. And um, it's like, you can't even see it. You know, you can't, you know, something's forming, but you can't fully see or fully imagine what it will be. And then when they get to those final stages of revising it and sending out to agents and editors, they're like, oh my God, suddenly it's a realization of this is happening. And holy smokes, my story is going to be out in the world, which is one, exciting, but two, scary, especially when they've written nonfiction and they've written vulnerable stories. And this is the stage where I have to remind them that they are worthy and deserving of telling their truth and their stories and that they will help other women by putting their stories out there. So oftentimes they have to say to them, you know, imagine your favorite writer. And then imagine if they were like, you know what, I'm just going to keep this one on my laptop. (laughs) And they didn't share that favorite book that changed your life. Like imagine if they let that voice consume them and then the void that would be there. Like this is your service to other women putting this story out into the world. And then they do. And then they usually email me, you know, a couple of days later and they're like, I'm getting all these emails from other women who have read the book and they're saying, thank you. And I'm like, yes, this is what it's all about. It's awesome. Wow, what a journey you are. I love that analogy of you as like the archetype of a midwife. Mm-hmm. I really love that because that is what it feels like and just such a process. And you kind of know every single phase and oh, what yeah. to expect at this point and what's going to come up for women. So just to have like someone like you holding their hand, encouraging them, like uplifting them on that journey, it just feels like invaluable to me. Well, and, and it's like a writer's job can be very solitary. And so they almost feel self-conscious when they come to me and they say, I don't know what's happening, but 
this voice is talking in my head, or I don't know what's happening, but I'm feeling really overwhelmed or X, Y, Z. And, and just me saying to them, oh, you know, this is totally normal. And I anticipated that you would be at this stage right now. And this is what all the women I coach go through. They just kind of like sigh relief because they're like, oh, okay, this is normal. So it's normalizing the process. Yeah. Yeah. And just speaking to also that imposter syndrome that's going to come up because I know I'll tell certain of my clients expect the imposter syndrome. It's okay mm-hmm. that that's coming up. It's not a bad thing. And it's very similar. As soon as you say that, they're like, oh, okay. So this is sp- supposed to come up. I'm supposed to feel like, who am I to do X, Y, and Z? And you're like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's mm-hmm. part of the journey. It does really provide that relief versus, well, these writers probably aren't feeling this way or just those stories we create about the women's who books we love or businesses we love or people that we admire. We have all these stories that like, well, they couldn't have gone through this, Mm -hmm. but just to have someone like you be like, no, everyone's going through this. This is the journey that you take when you're writing a book and like putting such a vulnerable, important part of you out into the world. That feels so beautiful. I bet it's so rewarding on your end. It really is. It, It really is. I think because, you know, women have been taught to people please so much and have been taught to shush themselves a bit. And so when they finally write their stories, they feel a sense of release. They feel a sense of freedom. They feel a sense of coming back to the core of who they really are. It's like they're finding themselves by finding their writer voice. So what I'm actually witnessing is not only them writing their stories, but they're getting more and more in their own integrity. And that's huge. I see them processing and then uh, kind of standing in their strength of who they are at the core. And that part is really amazing. Oh, I love that so much. Do you have... Just out of curiosity, this popped into my mind. Do you have a little space where you keep all of the books in your home of the women that you've helped publish or do you have anything like that? Yeah, I have a whole shelf Uh (laughs) that is like the success stories, you know, corner. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like good. a, it's like a different, it's like your version of trophies almost. Or oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like my mom is like, you know, I, I still have your swimming trophy from sophomore year of high school. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, the one that says 79th place. Like you can get rid of that. I'll hold on to the books. Over here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. So let's dive into, so book writing, just, I loved hearing about that process. And I know you're also a big fan of journaling and you've got these videos on journaling and prompts that you share with women. So what's, what's your relationship like with journaling? Cause I know that's something too. It's a modality that I find to be so valuable. And I know there's some women who are avid journalers and there's some women who haven't really formed a relationship with journaling quite yet. What's your take on journaling and just as a way to connect with your heart and soul as well? Oftentimes, I don't know how I'm feeling really or what I'm thinking until I write it in my journal. And the biggest thing that I realized is that, you know, we encourage each other to follow our hearts. But the problem is that we haven't asked our heart what the directions are. (laughs) 
everyone's like, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. That's great. But then I say, hold on, let's back it up. Have you listened to your heart? What direction is she giving? Like, what is she saying so that you can follow her? And and that's the critical step that most of us are missing, that we haven't sat down with ourselves in stillness, with our journals and gone, okay, what do you have to say? What wisdom do you have to share about this? What might my next best step be? What am I longing for? What is my greatest desire? What do I really know? And so then you, you start writing, you're, you're going, oh, this woman is wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, that's you. <laughs> that's you. You just need to give yourself space to listen. And so I've, I've journaled my whole life. And it was a way when I was younger, just kind of getting my angsty preteen thoughts onto the page. Um, But really what I find now, I have a daily practice. I I wake up, I move my body in some way. I, I walk or I do yoga. I come back, I eat a good breakfast. When my son goes off to school and the house is quiet for an hour, I meditate and I journal. And now this is definitely a luxury because there have been so many times in my life where there was not enough time for this morning routine. But in the place that I'm at right now, I have decided to do this in the morning and sacrifice some other things because of that. And it has made all the difference because I am consistently giving my heart room to speak. And when I do, usually here are some of the really core questions that I write in there. First, I write, what do you need to hear right now? And this comes from Elizabeth Gilbert, who writes herself a letter from love every single day because she said she like she was always clinging to relationships in hopes that that person would say to them, I love you. You can do no wrong. I'll never desert you. It doesn't matter what you do. And she's like, that, that's just unfair. There is no human who can do that for me. So I must do that for myself. So she channels love and she dialogues with love on the page. And she basically asks herself, okay, what do I want to hear right now? And then she tells herself exactly what she wants to hear. So sometimes I do that. Okay, what do I need to hear right now from someone? Well, that someone is me today and I'm going to write. I always try to channel a wiser self, a loving presence who's talking to me on the page. And one of the biggest things that I do, I have a video that I share on, on Instagram is I call it the five C's. So mm-hmm. I create a simple ceremony and I just light some candles around. I light some Palo Santo and I sit down and just creates a little bit of a, a change in my perspective. Okay. I smell those smells and okay, it's time to tap in right now. So a simple ceremony, whether that's grabbing a mug of tea or your favorite journal or lighting a candle. And then I sit down and the next C is compassion. So I greet myself with great self-compassion. So I usually say like, hi, sweetheart. And I'll just recognize what I'm going through. I'll say like, this is really hard, isn't it? Or you're feeling really excited right now, aren't you? I'm channeling my wiser self and speaking to myself, like writing a letter from my wiser self to me (laughs) now. And then I try to connect with her. So I ask some really important questions, like what is my deepest knowing about whatever I'm going through? 
And then I see what she says. What is my deepest longing? Right. And then I see what she says. And then I try to clear out whatever yuck that I don't need anymore. So I say, okay, you can let go of X, Y, Z. And then I ask for clarity. So I'll just ask, what's my next right step right now? And usually she gives me something, you know, sometimes it's sleep, sometimes it's have a snack, sometimes it's like you need to have that hard conversation. I'm not asking for the next 30 steps because she never has that. She only has the next best. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And then I like close and I sign the letter. So that's a process that is, that's like my go-to. Even if I have like four minutes, I just go, hi, sweetheart. And then I do those, the C's really, really quickly. And I just shorthand it. And even if I just have those four minutes of that quick shorthand where I write to myself, get some connection, clearing, clarity, I'm like, okay, now I'm good. So that's what I share. Like people who sign up for my newsletters, I, I share um, a video, like a short video of a journal prompt. Um, and I usually give newsletters like every other week. So people aren't like <laughs> inundated. And I just share a new journal prompt each time because I think it's that important. If I had no other thing to share during my time on this planet, probably it would be how important it is to listen to your heart. And for me, that's through the journal. So I'm a huge supporter of the journal. Wow. I am so inspired right now. because (laughs) I'm just so inspired because I like, I just love that whole entire process because I do my own versions of that with how I speak to myself and just different ways. I had a, one of my mentors actually similar to what you shared about Elizabeth Gilbert. She, she told me that I needed to write a letter to myself, but write it. This was like one of the most vulnerable journaling exercises that I've ever done thus far because I've done like love letters to myself before. And she goes, no, you need to write it from the the lens of your partner, like your future partner mm-hmm. and what you yeah, deep, 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 like desiring a man to say to you, Shannon, that no man has ever said to you, but like, there's this part of you that's looking and searching and wanting this person to like say these things. And I was like, really? <laughs> She's like, yes, don't hold back. What, what phrases do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? Like, what are you craving so badly? I was like, okay, this is going to be a really in-depth letter. <laughs> Because there's a lot. <laughs> and she's like, yep. And she's like, it has to, because just the things we were working through, she's like, it's important that it's from that lens, not like your own lens. So I, I did that exercise. And then, then I read it out loud to myself in the mirror. And oh my gosh, Nadine, I was bawling my eyes out. I had to do it in like a course of two to three days. Mm-hmm. I was just so emotional but even you talking about like the hello sweetheart, I found myself being like more and more gentle. And I I call myself like baby girl. So I'm like, mm-hmm. it's okay, baby girl. I know you're freaked out right now or you're stressed or you're doubting or whatever it is. And I think just to me, the journaling feels like it has brought you that energy of love and compassion consistently in your life and being able to relate to yourself in that way. And I know so many of us women just struggle with a massive inner critic and feeling like we're not good enough and that voice being so loud and just this being such a beautiful practice of regularly inviting that energy into your lifestyle. I think it's really inspiring and beautiful. 
Yeah, I think that I I've got the masculine energy covered, right? Yeah. I I am go 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 like Virgo. You can imagine with all the Virgo, it's just uh-huh. like meticulous hard work. So it has been and will forever be my journey of tapping into the yin, tapping into mm-hmm. the feminine, and and I have always journaled, but I, I didn't really discover that kind of process of that kind of talk with myself until almost probably eight and a half years ago, where we had just moved from Massachusetts, where my husband is from, back to my hometown of Chicago. Our son was one year old. So most people, they leave the city and they go to the suburbs. Yeah. (laughs) And I was feeling really lonely in Massachusetts, no family to help take care of our son. And so we moved from a rural farmhouse in Massachusetts, ideal to raise a child, mm-hmm. to a third floor walk-up building in the city <laughs> of Chicago with my husband, who is a total nature guy. And mm-hmm. our house in Massachusetts wasn't selling. Mm-hmm. And I had just interviewed for a university teaching job, hadn't heard back about it, Um and oh, one other part of uncertainty, I just submitted my memoir uh, of this much, I'm sure I had just yeah. submitted my manuscript to the publisher. And they're like, okay, we'll read it, get back to you and let you know, you know, if it's a green light or not. So talk about uncertainty in every area. It was like, is my marriage going to survive this? How will my child be growing up in this city? We've since moved, spoiler alert, we don't live in the city anymore, so you know how that went. But um, like, how will he do um, job-wise? How is this going to go home? Every element was tested and it was the greatest, or so I thought until pandemic times, it was the greatest moment of uncertainty in my life. And I realized later on that I needed someone to assure me and that someone apparently was me. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, everything that I want someone to reassuringly say to me, I can say to myself. This really helps us in our relationships. I see it with so many of the women that I coach. It's like we're putting so much expectation on our partners and our friends and our siblings and whomever because there's so much we want them to say and we we want them to read our minds. We can say those things to ourselves. They they can say some of that. We can say all of that to ourselves and that's huge. Yes. I love that you shared that because it's also what I learned from that one exercise and doing something very similar. I'm going to watch your video and I'm going to take myself through the whole whole process. Mm-hmm. But um, was that like, we know specifically what we need to hear better mm-hmm. than anybody else. And it's always so beautiful when you have a partner or a best friend or someone in your life, a parent or sibling who like knows you so well and can say the things in the way that you want to hear them. And you just feel so wonderful afterwards. But then sometimes there is expectation and they don't say what you want them to hear. And then you're just all upset. And so I just think this just covers all of that because like your soul and your heart and just your, your inner child or whatever aspect of you is feeling so uncertain knows what you actually really need to hear and how you need to hear it and internalize it. I think that's so beautiful to kind of anchor into a process like this amidst so much uncertainty when I would imagine like a lot of women would find those mechanisms of like clinging to something outside of you to like 
make you feel stable or make you know that it's all going to be okay. And just to really go inward is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I used to think like, if I just do enough yoga and <laughs> yoga is great, <laughs> but like, if I just go for enough walks and do enough yoga, I used to try to burn out the energy physically and it's helpful, but yes. nothing helps me know myself and reassure myself quite like that self-talk. And for me, it happens best on the page, but also it can, it can happen in our own heads, you know, the way that we talk to ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny. We're talking about this right now because also earlier today, I'll give like a specific example of how this can show up. Just kind of like looking for the validation and things outside of you. Yeah. Um, earlier, literally just about an hour or two ago, I was on the phone with my best friend and I was just like a lot was swirling in my mind. And I was like, I feel like I know intuitively what all this is, but also I just want to like talk to you right now and kind of just like share with you everything that's just happened lately in the last 24 hours. <laughs> like we talked two days ago. I was like, I just, I just need you to kind of say it. And then me be like, okay, yes, that's, that's it. And what we got to was just, it was about actually one of the mentors in this program I'm part of, which I just told you about, and he's a male and I've been like seeking him to tell me you are going to be successful. You are going to be, you know, you are special. You are going to be successful. I see all these things in you. And he hasn't quite done that. Like he, and he did do that though this week in his own unique way. And still it was like that inner child part of me. That's like, I need this person to give me this. And so my Mm -hmm. best friends, like Shannon, and it literally has absolutely nothing to do with him. Like, let's Mm -hmm. just like take him out of it. That's just what he's representing what does your inner child really, really want him to say to you? And then I'm like, I was in the middle of Trader Joe's. I'm standing in Trader Joe's. I'm like, I want him to tell me that I'm special. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I know exactly what it is. Clarity right next to the bag of carrots or whatever. Literally. I was like, I just wanted to tell me I'm special and I'm going to be successful. And she's like, great. Now we know. And it's okay. <laughs> what a wise friend. And oh, and yeah. good on you too for being able to know. It's like you you do know and, yeah. and to admit it out loud. And and that's where the one thing about the writing can take it like an extra step because here is the most beautiful part. If you write enough of these notes to yourself, take a time, I don't know, after a month or two months or three months and go back and reread. And it's like your brain just explodes. You're, I have been telling myself the same thing every single day, right? You'll you'll sit there and you'll, I just don't know what to do. And then you'll go back and reread all the entries and you'll be like, uh, crap. <laughs> I yeah. do know what to do. It's been telling me or like, God, I just need to hear. And then you go back and you're like, Oh, I I've been telling myself these nice things this whole time. The journal is a great accountability partner, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. I love that so much. So well, <laughs> I know. Cause I'm like, <laughs> it really always boils down to like, you're special, Shannon. You're special, <laughs> Shannon. You're special. <laughs> like something about that word. I'm like, okay. 
and we've all got it. Fill in the blank, right? Yeah. Each of us has that word that we are just so desperate for. Mm-hmm. Like, I am always desperate for the good job. Like, <laughs> God, I don't know what teacher messed me up, yeah. but I am just yearning to be that good student. I'll look at the pat on the back. Good job. It's like, oh, goodness. <laughs> I know it'd be it'd be so funny to like I don't know how this would ever be feasible, but to like cut out all the times you said good job in your journal and like put them in a big collage for yourself, make a painting I could out of it. Wallpaper the walls with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, and I'm loving like the women listening, whatever, whatever that is for you. Like, write it down, tell yourself it today, and just. It is fun when you like make it more light too. I'm like standing in Trader Joe's. I just wanted to tell me I'm special. <laughs> and I'm like, this person, like also this person, I'm like, he's not going to say you're special. That's just not, not the energy of your dynamic. That would be weird. <laughs> oh, that makes me smile so much. <laughs> I would like to dive into a little bit just self-care as well, because even just you mentioning you've got your masculine down, that Virgo, action-oriented, organized part of you. For myself included, I feel like I'm really good at doing things and and being in that energy of like creating and doing and showing up and to-do lists and and whatnot. And I also feel so many women being called to like nurture more of the feminine, the yin energy and the self-care and fill themselves up and just it having to be something so constant for us, like a constant reminder of I'm worthy of self-care and I can slow down and I can put my laptop away and phone down and all of these other things away and just fill myself up. So for you, what does that look like? Like what does self-care look like for you outside of the journaling? Are there other practices that you have? And then also for the female writers that you mentor, what are some practices that you kind of pass along to them? Yeah, this is huge. And it is hard because Yeah, I to give background, like I was raised in a family that was really hardworking and we didn't come from means. And so there was so much validation around work and how much you do. You are a productive member of society when you are working, hence part of the good job, the good work that I'm always seeking. Right. And so this is great because I developed a really strong work ethic, but it also doesn't leave a ton of room for rest. And the words rest, renewal, self-care were not part of the vocabulary growing up. And understandably so. Like if your your parent has to work two jobs, that is not something that comes up regularly. And yet, like I would watch, you know, my mom would take regular naps, just short naps, but she would awaken from them very renewed. We would never verbalize that, but I I witnessed that. I also watched her like when I was in my teens regularly exercise and it's like, okay, there's something that fulfills her there. And so I had like a little bit of baseline, but again, a lot of like more of exercise driven. And so I didn't know about the yin stuff. Years ago, I started working with a woman who her name is Ann Baker and she's in Illinois. And I I don't even know how I stumbled upon her. I was experiencing really high anxiety and the working out and things wasn't fully cutting it. And I just started Googling holistic 
um, practitioners in the area. And this was, this was really the first time I had ever done something like that. And her name popped up and I don't even know how. And I called her and I was like, I don't even know what I'm asking for, but I just want something different. And I want to feel more at ease and more at peace. And so I started working with her and she would do all of these mindfulness practices and we would visualize together and we would talk to a lot of internal family system stuff. We would talk to different parts of me. We would do tapping. We would do all these modalities I had I'd never experienced before, even though I've always been a very kind of open person, but just everything was very new to me. and. I, that's when I really started realizing that that no amount of just like typical pushing through was ever going to get me to a place of peace. And that seems really obvious, <laughs> but I just always thought I could push my way to anything. Mm. And it's like, oh, this isn't about that. So hence now, fast forward years and years that, yes, I have this daily morning practice, but then in the afternoon, I always like to think about like, how will I spend quality connection moments today? So I, my husband and I go and pick up our son from school and then we like to go to a coffee shop or something and and have a snack together. Or I take my son on mama geo dates and we go to the library together. Like I like for moments of connection that fill my soul interactively and then personal self-care that looks like later in the day making myself sit and read a book for a half an hour, which is really hard because all I want to do is crawl back to my laptop and do more work, especially as a solo entrepreneur. It's like, I just want to do more work and do more work because I love my work too. But I, I do what I call forced seating (laughs) or forced sitting time, forced seated time where I just make myself do something relaxing, whether it's reading a book, because part of it is that what I'm realizing is that my son is going to absorb a lot more just by witnessing what I do, not what I say, but witnessing what I do. So I want him to see me sitting and feeling peaceful or my husband set up a nest chair in our backyard. And so it's like, you know, a semicircle and it has cushions in it. And I go out there and I sit and I look at the birds and I look at nature and that is so fulfilling to my soul. So making sure my son sees me taking that time to do those things. And one of the biggest things is definitely retreat time. So by whatever that looks like, sometimes it's giving myself a morning where I take myself out to breakfast and I leave the phone and I bring my journal and I just have a morning for me. And other times when it's feasible, it looks like taking a few days away and going on a women's retreat. Ideally, the goal would be to do this like three times a year to go on a women's retreat and, and, or to just take retreats. So I was recently at a retreat, even though I facilitate retreats, but then I go to them as well. And the practitioner, the facilitator said, I take retreat every 90 days without fail. That is my rule. And and she's in her mid fifties. And she's like, I've learned by this point that if I do not course correct, 
check in every 90 days with myself that I go off course. And again, that could look like just a day of no work where you go walk in nature and that's free, giving yourself a Saturday, or it can look like when it is financially feasible to go somewhere and be around other people. Absolutely. I I mean, there's so much I could say to everything you said, but I just, I really love that one piece around almost like a little bit of like forcing your booty into the self-care and like structuring it into your day or booking the retreat or setting it up in your backyard where you have this beautiful chair you can sit in. I mean, I think it's really, really important that sometimes we just like get ourselves to do it in that way because otherwise it won't happen. And I'm so similar to you where it's like, oh, but I could get another thing on my to-do list done and then feel more accomplished for today. And it's like, whoa, what mm-hmm. is that going to do for you when you come to like, you're, you're speaking to peace? It's not going to bring you peace. That might no. bring your ego a temporary great job. <laughs> yeah. And I hit a dopamine. Oh, another yeah. check off the list. And then it's yeah. very temporary. Yes. Whereas exactly. Whereas the self-care is much more, the effects are much more long lasting and they ripple to other people. You yes. check that thing off of your to-do list that, that, you know, Oh, I answered that email. It doesn't have the energetic impact on the people around you that taking half an hour to sit in stillness does. And, and if anyone who's listening is like us and it's really hard to settle or we're, we're so work driven, one of the things I have to do when I do finally allow myself to take time or go on retreat is that I, it, it's a hard transition at first. I just, I'm, I'm like restless with energy. And so I have to say to myself, okay, you want a job? I'll give you a job <laughs> today. Your job is to notice. I want you to notice one new beautiful thing every hour or every 15 minutes. You know, I give my, I give my brain a job so that it feels like it's that taskmaster energy. It's like, okay, you so badly are desperate for something to do. I'll give you something to do. And then it feels good. It's like, I noticed something. Look, there's a hummingbird. Like, there's this. It's like, good job. (laughs) I love that as a strategy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that. So I'm very inspired. I want to talk about retreats in a moment because I honestly, so I had my first like retreat experience that wasn't, because for me too, it was so... I was realizing that everything that I was doing or investing in or taking part of in was coming from a place of you need to like improve yourself, Shannon. You're going to work with this business coach to improve yourself because you're not good enough. Or you're going to go on this development retreat because like you still don't think you're good enough and like you're going to get the skills there. And it wasn't like overwhelmingly, but just a subtle energy of, wow, everything that I've invested in, in the first three years of being a solo entrepreneur have all been to better myself versus just be myself and connect and engage and, and make new friendships. So the first one I went on, I went to India about two to three years ago, just maybe six, six months or so before um, COVID began. And that it was a two week immersion in India. And I'm actually going back this October. Yeah. Um, to the same, yeah, same trip. And it just like, I remember coming back from that experience being like, 
whoa, I feel like my skin's glowing. My eyes are bright. I feel sunshiny. I feel like my soul just came back to life. I got to connect to so many people. I really disconnected. I only went on social media just to like share some videos and posts from that day. And I would just like share with people and then I would hop back off. And I was really immersed in the culture and learning about Ayurveda. So it was like a lot of just like wellness focus and it just completely lit me up. And then I went on this other retreat. Again, I was feeling that like, I need to gift myself a retreat just for me. Mm -hmm. And so my friend Britt, who I'd love to introduce you to, she does retreats. They're called like spiritual wellness retreats. So I went to her retreat. Yeah. In Puerto Rico at the end of last year. And I mean, I made deep best friends for life type of energy Mm -hmm. from this retreat. Mm -hmm. And it was all just playing and connecting and eating good food. And we did do like journaling exercises and we had like a breath work and yoga and structure involved in it, but it was just so nourishing. And there was one woman that really inspired me on that retreat named Holly. She might listen to this actually. And she made it part of her lifestyle. I'm going to definitely make sure she's connected to your work because she's made it part of her lifestyle to go on retreats, I think quarterly, or maybe it was even monthly. I'm not quite sure, but it was regularly booking a retreat for herself. And she got her finances to the place where she could do that. And it was just like a big part of her vision. And so this Puerto Rico trip happened to be that retreat for her. And I just thought like, how amazing for you to do that. Cause I know similar to you and I, she's an entrepreneur. She's like a hard worker. She's a high achiever. And just to like know herself so well to know that like, I'm going to do this for myself. I think it's really inspiring when you realize, oh yeah, this nurtures me in a way that checking off things on my to-do list just never quite will. Mm -hmm. And so I need to bring that into my life. There's so much I can say (laughs) about that because you're so right. Why is it that as women, we always look for the productive benefit of a workshop or a retreat? We're like, okay, what new skills can this gain me? What else can I improve upon? And here's what I have discovered about retreats. Retreats are not about any of those things. Retreats are about falling back in love with yourself. (laughs) Like That's what retreat is about. What I always feel when I've had a retreat experience is that I hear myself saying to myself, I've missed you so much. And it's like, oh, (laughs) we miss ourselves in the real world sometimes in our daily treadmill productive lives because we're disconnected from that authentic, beautiful core self. And retreats remind us of who we are. And it not only does that, but then you come back and it's like you extend that for a bit. You're like, okay, remember, remember that at your center is love and goodness and all of these things. And then some more time passes and it's like society, you know, kind of creeps back in and you say, hold on. Okay. Time for retreat. Again, even if it's just a morning of breakfast with yourself to journal and go, okay, hi, you. I remember you. I love you. You're really amazing. You're special. (laughs) (laughs) Good work. Um, We want to fall back in love with ourselves and all of the retreats that I lead, that's what it's about because I realized I made a list one time of like the most happy moments or the happiest moments I've ever had. And many of them were retreat experiences. And I was like, 
what is this all about? Why are some of my happiest moments, you know, next to like getting married, having a kid when I was on retreat, what is that all about? And that's when I realized, oh, it's because I fall back in love with myself and what greater gift than that. So when I lead these women's wellness and writing retreats, that's what it's all about. And then you talk about the connection. I always say to them, you're likely going to leave here with this sacred sisterhood. That's what happens on retreat. It's because everybody's in their own glowy state. And then it's just all that energy is amazing. And everyone Mm -hmm. is open. And it's just like these connections form. So when we go on retreat, that's why we don't need to learn another skill. We just want to be reacquainted with ourselves. That's where meditation comes in and yoga nidra comes in and journaling and free time. I give good amounts of free time. Like Go walk in nature, rediscover yourself again. What do you want to do, right? Like when's the last time you've asked yourself, what do I really, really want to do? And go do that. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I loved hearing you speak to that. And I would totally agree that even just the photos I have and those memories, they were in a re- either literally a retreat experience or something that felt like a retreat, like even like a sleepover with a friend or something like that where you're you're in that energy. And mm. I love that it's so interwoven. So how often, I mean, how many times a year are you leading retreats now? Yeah. So I've won, um, by the time this airs, it'll be finished, but it's uh, a Memorial Day weekend in Door County, Wisconsin, which is beautiful. Mm. And that's a five day one. And then my next one is in Camden, Maine in August. And Camden is so beautiful, Um, like just quintessential, like portside town. And we have a house right on the water that we rented for it. So it has a private beach and um, it's, it's all women and it's five days as well. And even it's, you know, writing and wellness, but the writing is, is journaling and free writing. So it, you don't have to be an author to attend. Um, But so I used to lead them out of my house pre-pandemic and they would be weekend long for local people. And then the pandemic hit and I had these plans to, you know, do more around the U.S. and then the pandemic hit. And so I I moved everything online and I've been doing all these virtual retreats. So finally, this past fall, I did a weekend one at a beautiful space outside of Chicago. And then now these five-day ones, my hope is that it'll be around once a quarter. Um, But then also I've been in talks with um, some really beautiful retreat centers around the U.S. of of, um, going there and, and presenting there. So, but my husband and I, my husband's the chef. And so he, um, caters all the meals. And so we, we plan to do it quarterly. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the, the five day time mm-hmm. frame feels mm-hmm. really good because mm-hmm. this last one I went on with Brit, I think it was three days. It was either like four days, three nights, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it felt like we needed like one or two more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love five days. That feels like just enough to where you're like ready to kind of go home and be back mm-hmm. in your home environment, mm-hmm. but also long enough to like, yeah, just like really relax too and immerse yourself. Yeah. And to have it imprint into you so that when you go back home, it, it isn't so fleeting. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. Oh, amazing. All right. Well, I want them to check out your retreats because I also do feel like post COVID just from my clients and friends, a lot of women have been chatting about like travels and retreats and just Mm -hmm. really wanting to like jump back into that and like find something for themselves. So I'm excited for any women who are interested, maybe you'll go on one of Nadine's retreats and you'll have to let me know. (laughs) (laughs) So beautiful. So we're going to dive into the final eight questions. Yep. And the first one is, and I think some of these you're just going to know how to answer so beautifully because of all of the the, the self-reflection and journaling you do. The first one is going back to your teenage years. If you could give the teenage version of you some words of love, what would you say to her? Mm. Oh, that your differences are such a treat. They're such an asset. Oh man, like I was like, I don't fit in in this world. (laughs) And now I just get to be my weird, sensitive, empathic self and talk about wellness all the time. And it's like, it'll be an asset one day, I promise. (laughs) I love that. Now, number two, what is for you, and you might have plenty of these, but maybe for this season of your life, is there a quote or an affirmation or a mantra of yours that really speaks to your soul and is keeping you going? Mm-hmm. I read a book a couple months ago called Let It Be Easy by Susie Moore. And it has been my mantra because my tendency is to overthink everything, reread the email maybe 35 times before I send it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, let it be easy. Let it be easy. Just ease, ease, press in. So it helps with the overthinking. Let it be easy. I love that. It's so beautiful because my vi- my vision board for this year is right right behind you on this mm-hmm. on the Zoom screen that you're on, and literally I've been focusing on ease a lot more for myself, and I have the words "Your dream can be easy." Mm. Yes, okay. so, it doesn't. Not everything has to be so hard. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Now, who is a woman who inspires you, and why? Hmm. Well, authors are my celebrities for sure. And there's an author named Shauna Nequist, who I am such a fangirl of, and I've just followed her forever. She wrote like a bestseller called Present Over Perfect. Her most recent book is called I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet. And she is a mentor because she never claims to have it all together. Um, But again and again, what she comes back to is resisting people pleasing and perfectionism and productivity and trying to come back to being present with herself and her loved ones. Um, And she's a a type A like many of us. And so learning from her and watching her resist all that stuff um, is really inspiring. I love that. I'll have to check her out. And Mm -hmm. I love that you use like fangirl because I feel like I'm that way with certain Mm-hmm. Certain women like Alicia Keys, such a fan girl mm-hmm. for like similar reasons, honestly. Because I I read her memoir. That would be a great one for you to read if you haven't already read hers. It's yeah, called, I read um, hers. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, more yeah. myself. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Like there was definitely nuggets that really landed for me, and she does that too. Like resisting, like even like wearing makeup. She starts to be like makeup free for a while, and I think it's really beautiful when you have women in these spaces just authentically finding their way in that world. 
Yeah. No, that was that was so good. And I don't I can't remember if it was her memoir or somebody who was writing about the Alicia Keys um with no makeup, where there was this anecdote where, you know, she had said no makeup for a while and then Adam Levine was like passing by and saw her putting lipstick on and he was like, Hey, I thought you were no makeup and she was like, I'm a grown like woman, I can do what I want. Yes. Oh, and I loved that. I was like, Yes, yes. Yes, yes. we are grown yeah. women and we can do what we want. <laughs> yes, literally that's it. Yeah, that's in her book. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of her book. I know I love I love that part too. Mm-hmm. And I think he I can't remember but I think he took it pretty well too like kind of like laughed yeah, with her laughing. and was like, "Yeah, you got you go." <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so these next two questions going into the themes of the podcast, unmasked and open-hearted. So unmasked, looking at Jesus, these like societal masks that we tend to wear. We've talked about a lot of them throughout this episode, but right now in your life, Nadine, what is a mask that you are actively taking off in your life, in your business? And what does that look like? Mm. So I have my, my innate tendency would be to, um, always want peace and never want to confront anything. Um, but I've worked for years and years and years in my own like marriage of having the hard conversations and it had our relationship has grown so much because of having those hard conversations. And so we're in, in that good place, but I realize that I'm having to do that with family members and it feels scary because I don't know if they'll receive my truth and honesty lovingly the way that I intend. And so just today I was talking to Jamie, my husband, about a hard conversation I have to have with a family member, just about confronting um, some issues. And and so it's like I'm I sometimes wear the mask of pleaser or peacemaker. And that comes at a cost where then the relationships suffer because you're not being totally truthful and honest. And, um, and then our own self gets, uh, it eats away at us. So I'm trying to take off that mask and be more transparently loving. So being honest, but in a loving way. So beautiful and so necessary. I, I found myself doing a lot of that at the end of last year. And it's really scary because with your family, there's that tribal, I need to belong and we can't rock the boat. And what if they reject this or, you know, with love is taken away from me or they don't agree with me or or whatever that is. So kudos to you. It takes a lot of courage. It's so beautiful that you're really like looking at that in that area of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So open hearted, what is something that helps you to open up your heart? Mm, oh, my son, my sweet boy. <laughs> like as soon as you asked that, his face popped into my mind. He He's nine. He's turning nine. And um, he is so open hearted that when you're around him, you can't help but just be like a bundle of love. <laughs> and so he he reminds me of laughing and dancing and jumping on the trampoline that those are really the important things, not, not, you know, being on a laptop. (laughs) And, um, and so he, he is my regular reminder of like, what, 
we're really here to do. Like we're here to do this, to connect. We're here to to have a also have a like a tactile life where we create and we play and we and we dance and we sing. And he's the best reminder of that. Oh, I love that. What is his sun sign in astrology? I've never <laughs> looked into that. I should probably. Yeah. Like I'm just getting into astrology. I, I okay. just recently had um, an amazing astrologist, Heidi Rose Robbins, on my podcast. Ooh. And so, um, and she did, uh, yeah, she was amazing and telling me about different parts of my natal chart. So yeah, now I need to explore geos. Yeah. We'll see. Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I can look it up too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So just a couple more. What is something that you love about yourself? Mm. I'm really thoughtful. Like oh. I, I make it, I know how precious our time here is. We've had a lot of loss recently in our family. And, um, and so I know how precious our time is. And so I, write a bunch of notes to the people I love and I message them and tell them I'm thinking of them. And I give lots of hugs. I'm a huge hugger and a snuggler to my people. And I, I'm pretty darn sure that they're pretty clear about how much I love them. (laughs) And that's really important to me. (laughs) Oh, I absolutely love that. That's something I think when you do have loss, it brings that lesson in very, very strongly. I love that you're embodying that and that the people in your life get to receive that. Cause I do feel like just not withholding love and actually like really expressing love is so healing to the human heart. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. So this one I prepped you for a little bit. What are the two songs that you want to add to our unmasked and open-hearted Spotify playlist? Okay. So I will always feel relaxed and calm when I listen to Free Fallen and but the John Mayer version. Yeah. And so anytime I need to kind of get in a, a chill zone and think of riding with the windows down, I I think of free fallen. Um and then whenever I need to like start getting jazzed up, I think of um him for the weekend, um Beyonce and Coldplay together. And it just kind of like, it gets me going. And usually if I really need to boost my spirits after I meditate and journal, if no one is still in the house, like if my husband hasn't come back home from dropping off our son, I dance (laughs) to, to that song by myself in the living room. And I'm not too shy about dancing in front of them, but that's like my me time. So that's my dance with myself song, him for the weekend. And I can do a ton more, but um, also, and you'll help correct my pronunciation on this, but the Ho'oponopono uh, song by the Emmett sisters. I was at a really incredible retreat um, with Renee Trudeau in uh, February, and she played that song. And it's the like, I love you, I forgive you, I'm sorry. You're kind of like singing this to yourself, essentially. And I mean, we were just all puddles by the end of it. So if you need a good cry, sit oh. <laughs> and listen to that song. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, amazing. You got all our bases covered. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. The the hymn for the weekend. I cannot play that in my mind right now. So I'm gonna play that after this. You interview. will. As soon as you hear you're like, oh I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that though, speaking to like I'm not too shy about dancing in front of people who like really know me, but then there is something different when it's like just you and the music. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like if somebody videotaped that little ditty and put it out there, it'd be, it'd be embarrassed. Yeah. It's like, there's something that just shifts when it's just you and you know, nobody's watching. (laughs) Like I do some weird stuff. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about these songs. Thank you. So final question before we share how everyone can find you. If you could just tune into your own soul, your heart, and leave the women on the other end listening right now a message, what would you want to tell them? Mm, You're doing a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean that in no way about productivity. I mean that I see you, I see how hard you are trying to get back in touch with yourself, to love the people you love. Like I know at the core of you is someone who really values love, self-love and love for others. So you're doing a really good job. (laughs) Mm, Goosebumps. I definitely (laughs) needed to hear that one. So thank you. And I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I'm really, really excited. I haven't done a podcast interview in a while. So this just like, reinvigorated my spirit for podcast interviews. It was so fun. It's so fun to laugh. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. It's so beautiful. I'm really, really, really genuinely excited for women to get connected to you. So I will have your links in the show notes, but if you just want to share best places for women to find you, what would those be? Yeah. So my podcast, which Shannon is on. So you'll want to check out her amazing episode. So many good takeaways from your episode. Um, My podcast is called Heart of the Story. And then I have, and I share like stories, tips, and interviews of healing, hope, and following your heart on that one. And then my website is my name, nadinekennyjohnstone.com. And that's where you'll find all the good stuff. I have my retreats tab. I have my workshops tab because um, I lead writing workshops. Like some are journaling, more soulful writing, and others are if you want to get at the craft. So I have a community of women and we meet every month. Monday on Zoom. We've been doing it for over two years. And um, I I give them prompts, no matter if you're writing like fiction, poetry, nonfiction, I give prompts, and we talk and then we write together on Zoom. So you get the work done, right? But then you connect with other women as well. So um, that's my writer workout community. They're amazing. So all the good stuff is on my website and on Instagram on my name as well, meeting Kenny Johnstone. Amazing. Wow. So many great things that you have going on and easy to find you. So definitely get connected to Nadine. You can always also send her an email or Instagram message if things that she shared really landed for you. I know that means a lot. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) This was so fun. Mm -hmm.